0: And we're well, welcome to the studio, my usual compatriots for this uh, portion of the program. on Wednesdays of the last hour, Jeff Schlemmer and Robert Metz. Uh, we call Jeez, oh, We call this part of the program left, right, and center. Okay, I'm centered again. Um, and its purpose is to explore from a philosophical point of view some of the major and sometimes not so major issues of our society today, just to give you a sense of uh, where people are coming from. Now, we want to say at the, at the outset that uh, none of the three of us here, I think, are entirely comfortable with the labels of left and right or even the center part because uh, people of goodwill. Um, I think, tend to look for solutions to society's problems, and sometimes those lines get really muddied. Sometimes uh, left and right mean nothing in terms of trying to reach a solution. But in general terms, there tends to be philosophical differences, and that's what we explore in this part of the program. You are always welcome to join us at six four three twelve ninety or star 1290 on the Cantel. If you hear something with which you disagree and you want to comment, or agree and you want to comment, or you want to ask a question of either or both of our guests, you're always welcome to join us. 643-1290 and star 1290 on the Cantel. Jeff Schlemmer is here this morning representing, quote, the left, and Robert Metz is on, quote, the right. Gentlemen, uh, this morning I want to take a look at the issue of taxation in our society today. Um, I think a universal concern that taxes are too high. Um, but many people beyond that, I think, are very ambiguous about the role of taxes. If, even if they felt the, you know, that the money was being spent wisely, they're still uncomfortable with the idea of the government saying, give me your dough. Um, and not give me your dough if you feel like it, but give me your dough or go to jail. Uh, Robert, let me start with you today. I- is there a positive role, is there a meaningful role for taxation in our society?
1: I can relate to the ambiguous feeling that people have about taxes, because on the one hand, we all recognize that government requires revenue in order to exist, and we do need a government. On the other hand, we do have government that in certain areas is out of control, and the spending is just not in a position to be able to be controlled. Um, Problems with taxes have been with us since the dawn of civilization, I mean, recorded history goes back around 6,000 years. And the problems we have today are no different than the problems they had 6,000 years ago. Taxes have, uh, when when executed wisely and kept low and serving a purpose, have held civilizations together. When taxes get out of control, they've literally destroyed civilizations. Um, my problem with the whole point of a tax, and I think, uh, you know, this is an end-of-the-rainbow issue for me because I don't think we can really do anything... Uh, in the end game about taxes until we do something about government spending. So to talk about taxes in isolation, as we probably will here for most of the show, is a little bit skewing the whole issue because the spending has to stop. High taxes are just a symptom of our political and economic problems.
0: Jeff, to, for many people, the, uh, the idea of, quote, the left wing brings to mind uh, uh, tax and spend. Uh, uh, liberal governments, uh, NDP governments, and so on, with this idea that, well, we want and deserve such and such and and so-and-so, we know the people have it in their pockets, we're just going to reach in and take what we want. Is that an accurate characterization? And I don't mean to oversimplify, but would you agree that people on the left do tend to think that that taxation can solve a lot of our problems in terms of redistributing income and so on?
2: Well, I, I sort of hate to speak for the left, uh, and tax and spend certainly is a, is a term that has a lot of emotive value, but from my perspective, I guess taxes aren't a bad thing, and uh, uh, this is how you can tell that I'm not running for public office. I would argue taxes are not too high, That right now we get uh, uh, value for our money, money in taxes, and basically the difference between paying taxes and paying for private services is a question of whether we get more done by working together as a community for the common interest and throwing into a pool for that interest, or whether we get better value by buying services for from private enterprise, and uh, I guess we would all agree that business needs to advance in its efficiency, and there are all kinds of things happening all the time to make business more efficient. But I don't think it's inherently true that a big corporation is necessarily more efficient than a, than a government. Isn't the difference, though, that, uh, and, and I refer to the Auditor General's report, that was, some
0: details of which were released this morning, where he's noted again this year for the umpteenth year in a row, literally billions of dollars of, of government money either unaccounted for or spent in obviously wasteful ways. Now, it's his job to to be a bit of a Cassandra on this, but it's also his job to be accurate in his reporting. Um, you say taxes aren't too high. If we've got all of this money built in there that is being wasted, surely that would suggest that taxes are too high.
2: But again, if you had the Auditor General go through General Motors or through a large corporation, you would find similar horror stories. Uh,
0: Except that
2: the bottom line-wise, if I don't like the, a General Motors product,
0: if I think it's too highly priced because they're inefficient, I can go to Chrysler or I can go to Peugeot or I can go you know, any one of a number of places to find the company that is more efficient. I can't do that with
2: government. Well, and, and that's one of the arguments for private enterprises. I would argue that a conflicting argument is that uh, with private enterprise, we're spending a lot of money for things that aren't providing value to us, like uh, advertising, for instance, like paying sports stars millions and millions of dollars to persuade us to buy Nike, for instance. Those things are not adding any value to our community. Uh, At the same time, as I say, I think that a problem is not so much that uh, it's a question of whether business is more efficient than government. I think big tends to be less efficient than little.
0: Well, uh, Bob, let me come back to what you said earlier about uh, being worried about discussing taxation in isolation relative to government spending Um, what is your model what's your paradigm for the difference between government spending and private sector spending that government might access
1: well first of all you have to define what the proper function of government is and to me the essential nature of a government is are the police your courts and your and your military that's really what government's there for is to be a a, a, an instrument of justice an instrument of arbitration governments should be um, referees They should not be players in the game in any way, shape, or form. So if we reduced government to its basic function and had more of a direct pay system on the other kinds of services, we wouldn't be calling those things taxes. I mean, when I pay my uh, London Hydro bill or pay uh, the Union Gas bill, uh, I don't call that a tax, even though it may be regulated, even though it may be uh, monopolized, but I don't call that a tax because I'm getting a service in return, and if I choose not to take the service, I don't pay the tax. A government by def or, or sorry, taxes by definition are, you know, just forced exaction. They're not. There's no principle of value or fair value received in in terms of having
0: a tax. But if we look at the at the historical record here, if we go back to a time when government was much less involved in, in the private lives of individuals and corporations and so on, and and I'll, we'll go back to, to uh, England about this time in the last century, for example, mm-hmm. or the United States at a similar time and through the next maybe 20, 30 years. We had a situation where the Industrial Revolution was coming to flower, where capitalism was certainly flowering, where there was plenty of money around, money was rolling in left, right, and center, government had very few controls on it, and a huge chunk of the population was living in the most abject, disgusting, despicable poverty. But that huge chunk of
1: the population was not abject, disgusting poverty before everyone else rose above it. Poverty exists as a natural condition. It's not something that is, that, uh, you, you know, I always hear this phrase, uh, poverty amidst plenty. Well, you can't have poverty amidst poverty. It's, it's a comparative term. If, if everyone around you is poor, then how do you define poverty? But, you know, I'm concerned about what Jeff said when he says that, for example, taxes aren't high enough. I know a lot of people that believe that. The average person in this province pays over half of his income to taxes, which I think is, is obscene. I think the most any individual in his life should ever have to pay in terms of taxes is 5 or 10% to cover the basic cost of government. So well, just there's what, no what is number. the
2: limit? What's there's, the no limit? there's no magic number as to what's the right way. Basically in our life we're going to have a standard of living and we're going to live with certain things. We'll have cars probably in Canada we'll have houses and so on. The relevant measure uh, as to how we're doing is our standard of living. Not whether we're receiving high incomes but paying a lot of tax. For those taxes we're getting services that if we didn't pay tax on we'd be buying in the private market. So we'd be paying doctors directly for instance so there's no there's no magic number the question ultimately is whether we're better to spend our money as a pool together to buy services like healthcare, care for instance or whether we should buy it separately and ultimately that comes down to who do you trust politicians or big business
1: well i don't i think the issue is who do you trust uh, someone else or yourself that's basically how i look at it or does the consumer trust themselves so using your argument as long as the standard of living is a question, you wouldn't really even object to 100% tax,
2: would you? If I had a great life and I could get a nice uh, new Porsche and everything and I paid all my money in tax, I'd be delighted. So, so then taxes have, uh, have no meaning to you in terms of uh, that
1: money being yours that you earned and that someone else is spending on your behalf.
2: Well, again, I would have earned you know that, of any society Do <laughs> you, know,
1: you know of any society that has 100% tax rate and where, where the standard
0: of living is high?
2: Uh, I don't know of any society that has a hundred percent tax rate.
0: So, are you are you prepared to be bribed by government then, and provided they give you the services you want, uh, you will function in effect as a slave for that government?
2: Well, I guess it depends how you define slave, and uh, one of the questions, again, is uh, one of individual choice. Well, if you have no control over the money that you earn, if you have to
0: go out and work and you have no control over that money, and that would be the case in a situation of 100% taxation, then
2: you are a slave to the government. But it depends how you define that. Like, for instance, with your car analogy, you say that, well, we can choose a Chrysler or a Ford or whatever. I would argue that, realistically, you're going to pay a similar price no matter who you buy from. If you're buying this year, you're going to be paying an average of 6% more than you were paying this time last year. Uh, There's not really choice. You can choose the color of your car. There's nothing to say that in a government, model, you couldn't have different types of cars to fulfill different needs. But you so could on. choose not to buy the car this year and you can't do that with your taxes. Oh No, but it, it, say again, if you had a system where you had 100% taxation but government was going to give you a car, they would, presumably you get a car at, at an appropriate time. But if you're going to argue that there's mass inefficiencies in governments that have tried to do this in the past, like the USSR for instance, yes there are, they've done a very bad job This is Talk of the Town. This particular
0: segment is known as Left, Right, and Center. Jeff Schlemmer on the left, Bob Metz on the right, and I'm in the center, trying to keep things on the straight and narrow. We'd uh, welcome you to join us if you have a question, or a call, or a comment. 643-1290 is the number, and we're going to be talking to Jim right after this. This
3: is Talk of the Town on 1290 CJBK. It
0: is, too. It's also Left, Right, and Center with Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer. You're invited to join us, and Jim does exactly that. Good morning, Jim.
3: Hi, good morning. Uh, Jeff, you're a lawyer, so this is sort of of like a a legal question. Um, I go to Jim Chapman and say to Jim, Jim, if you'll paint my house for 10 hours a day, five days a week, I promise to pay you an X number of dollars. So we enter into a contract, right? Mm -hmm. What legal, moral, and ethical right does a third party have to come in to take a portion of that wage, i.e. income tax? Now, I have no problem going out to the Ministry of Transport and giving six bucks for a map that they produce. I have no problem with GST. As a matter of fact, I like to see it even higher and cut back on my personal income tax because then I have some control. But what moral right does the government have to come into a two-party agreement and take part of that money?
2: Well, they do that all the time. We talked last week about prostitution, for instance, as, as an example. There are all kinds of contracts that are illegal, for starters. The government certainly intervenes in those. But the right that they theoretically have is that we voted for them when we said, you guys look after the country for a few years.
3: So we could put this on the ballot and get rid of income tax then?
2: Oh, sure, of course. Jim, I mean, income, a, income tax a topic. didn't yeah. exist until World War One. Yeah. It was a temporary yeah. measure then. Because,
3: but... I mean, if, if we
2: raise the GST to, say, to 25%, mm-hmm.
3: And I want to buy a beamer, or I want to buy three beamers, that's my
2: choice, and I yeah. pay for it. Yeah But see, at, at, at the very source,
3: I mean, they've got total control. They take 50 percent automatically. And, uh, and you see what I'm getting at, guys? It's oh, much absolutely. easier with the well, consumption tax.
1: I agree with you, Jim. And, and uh, you know, to, to answer your question, what moral right does the government have they to don't. do that? I say they don't. They have no moral right. And, in fact, I I'd, I'd challenge Jeff. You know, he, he's talking about a 100% tax rate that he would entertain. Who would work under such a system? If you've got I mean, Peter and Paul, you're going to give me a but, I'd work hard well, for that. Well, I don't think you'd have to. Why would you have to if no, you I knew said- it was going to be supplied for you? by the state, what, where is the incentive to work? I mean, exactly. if, if, we're, if we're talking about human nature and we're talking about what makes, what makes the engine of humanity work and our productivity, it is self-interest and it is wanting to get ahead and it is yep. wanting to earn our own place in society, not
2: be given it by other people. Taxation and Taxation be... has nothing to do with yep. whether they have to work or not.
3: Jeff, let me ask you this question, Jeff, and I'll, and, and I'll do this.
2: Right?
3: For every cup of coffee you go down to Tim Hortons and sit there all day long and drink, I'll give you $10. <laughs> how long would you stay there?
2: Well, I don't know how we got into uh, no, not working. I work no, hard. And I, I, I like working there? hard. How long would you stay there? Uh, I, I, I well, how long would I stay at Tim Hortons and like drink you coffee? Need Ten
3: dollars for a cup of coffee. You stay there all day long. See, there's no incentive to leave. Okay, but and, what's that and, got to do with and, taxes? Whoa. And the, the same with taxes. There's no incentive for me to go out there and work and get ahead if the government's going to take it all.
2: Well, for starters, uh, say, in our country, right now, we've got a standard of living, again, that right, you can live in a certain way right now. Right now in London, That's we've got a boom in monster in homes that are being ago. built. People are living better now than they've ever lived Some people. in our community. Some people. Well, uh, Some people are. It's a question of who, who they are. That's right. That's true. But we live in a society right now where we live, in most cases, I'd say better than our, than our parents, and yet pay a lot more tax. It's all relative. It's a question but of how Jeff, much do we take Jeff, in versus how much do we pay out. Jeff, you're,
1: you're assuming that our, our standard of living as it is now with our high rate of taxes couldn't be much higher if we didn't have this high rate of taxes. Well, I'm a strong believer that our rate of taxes is keeping our standard of living down, that we should be, you know, we should have much more modern convenience, much more, uh, you know, Convenes more leisure in our life, believe it or not, because of, of, of uh, a higher standard of living that is being stopped by high taxes.
0: Jim, thank you for your call. We're going to go back to the phones with Robert. Hello, Robert. Hi, Jim. Yes, sir.
4: Um, I would just uh, like to make the comment that, like people like Jeff, uh, you know, that they they're what they're trying to do is justify the proposition that it's okay to rob Peter to pay Paul. And uh, basically, like I equate wealth and money with freedom and uh you know if you have lots of money you're you're pretty free to do anything you want if you don't have money then you're not very free and i would say that you know if the government's taking over half of our income in taxation dollars then they're taking half of our freedom and um that and also that the fact that uh, um you know the, the the taxes that we that we pay i agree with bob there are just uh are keeping our standard of living down, not up. And that if, if, like Jeff believes, that governments are responsible for people's prosperity, then why don't all third-world countries simply pass laws which make everybody wealthy and rich?
2: Okay, I'm not sure how, how governments are responsible for prosperity, but what we're talking about here is whether we're better off getting things that we want in our lives cumulatively together or whether we're better off going and buying them separately. That's the difference between which, paying for it know, through tax or through buying it from a company.
4: But why, why don't you call a spade a spade? Like when the government allows private enterprise, but they don't allow to... Dispose of the of the uh, 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 of the wealth that you've created. Then it's that it's fascism. That's, that's called, but nobody will call it that in this country. And if you don't believe that the government wants all our money, you should you should get audited sometimes like I am almost every other year. I'm <laughs> telling you, they want it all. Yeah. They want That's, it all. They, absolutely. they only, That's want, another issue, they only the allow system, people to, to earn the money so that they can get their so that they can get their hands on it.
0: Yeah, thanks for the call today Robert's good to hear from you sir. And up next is Lauren. Good morning Lauren. Good morning Yes sir.
5: I think the central focus of this argument is whether taxation is 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 to be used to deliver hard services such as um, uh, Bank of Canada or the Post Office or the Defense Department or policing, or whether it's used for income and redistribution, which I feel has been the focus in the last 30 years or so. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that's what irks people. And, and there is a disincentive to work. Maybe if there was a flat tax rate or something like that, maybe there would be more, to, more of an incentive.
0: Well, to- Jeff, what about that issue of income redistribution? Because, again, that's, a, that's a, the- a topic that is generally associated with people on the left side of the political spectrum. Generally, not entirely, but generally the, the assumption is that people on the left are people who do favor some sort of income redistribution, take from the rich and give to the poor. Is that a accurate
2: characterization? uh, Well, I guess it it depends sort of in what direction we're talking about. Certainly there's been a substantial redistribution in the last 30 years through the tax system, and that is that if you're wealthy, you basically don't pay any tax. And uh, I've got all kinds of colleagues who are tax lawyers who make sure that you don't pay any tax. You pay them a lot of money, but you don't pay tax. Um, My tax prof, though, in law school always said that that was a real bad idea, that the tax system should not be used for social purposes. It should be used to gather revenue. And he said that the reason the Tax Act is uh, several inches thick is because government has always used it as a way of trying to accomplish social goals when what it really should be there for is just a way of gaining revenue. And then it could be extremely simple. Do you agree with that? I think that's a great idea.
5: Uh, can I just
0: make a comment yeah, on quickly, that? Quickly if you would learn.
2: Yes.
5: Um, well I, I, the taxation policy is used as a tool for for many reasons for many things and to uh, spur economic activity in certain areas. I remember in, what was in the 70s there was the move the movie industry if you could if you uh, place your money in a totally Canadian production uh, it was run 150% write off etc etc. But getting getting back you mentioned your tax lawyers and I just like to throw this out to you and then I'll hang up. Uh, what about the idea of a flat tax? Maybe uh, I agree with you. I think it's terrible that uh, people making uh, large sums of money can somehow find... I don't use the word loopholes because they're there to be exploited. Uh, Um... And, and let's not forget. Make it less let's, simpler.
0: Let's not forget, though, the people just talking about are a teeny weeny 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 teeny fraction of the tax. Oh, I agree. In this I
5: agree. But all I'm saying is, is that is that perhaps uh, what about the idea of a flat tax? Maybe you could discuss that issue. I'd like to hear what both of your commentators have.
0: Thanks for the call, Arne. Right. Well, let's look at that, Jeffrey. Uh, Do you see is there a role for a flat tax in our in our modern society? Would it work?
2: Uh, well, and I guess one thing you have to go back to with taxation is that every form of taxation is completely arbitrary. There's no rationale for why you tax income or why you tax gas, but you don't tax uh, bank transactions right now. You may, I'm sure, you're aware that there's a, a strong move right now to try and suggest that uh, that uh, stock transactions should be taxed, and uh, so there's no there's no rhyme or reason to what we tax and what we don't. But at the end of the day, I guess any kind of tax system that uh, tries to approximate you contributing back to the country in proportion to what you've been able to get from the country would be more appropriate. And certainly a massive complex system makes no sense. Look at the GST industry that's developed now of accountants and people who calculate GST and prepare all the GST records and all that kind of stuff for companies. It's, a, it's nothing but a dead weight loss for our economy. That's bad.
1: No, you see this is where I see the left wing not understanding the wealth creation process at all. The idea of thinking that the rich have taken something from society rather than created what they have. You see, the the rich are rich because they have contributed to society. By the way, I'm a big supporter of the flat tax and I think it's one of the things that uh, to not have a flat tax means treating different people unequally before and under the law and I can't support that just as a matter of principle.
0: But what about the but, argument that, you know, if, if you're if you make a million dollars a year and you pay 10% tax, you're only you're paying 100,000. $100, if sure. you if you make if you make 10,000 uh, you're paying, paying 000, a thousand. You've got nine thousand left. Well, you could buy a lot more with nine hundred thousand than nine thousand. So, what shouldn't the person making a million pay a bigger percentage? That's the argument.
1: Well, that's an argument, but it doesn't make anything more equal. It is not going to help anything out in society um, if you took a hundred percent of the guys' wages at a certain point. In fact, that happened to the Beatles back in the, in the '60s. Uh, they became so rich that their tax rate went up to hundred and fifteen percent. So that when they put out a few hit songs, they had to pay the government more than what they were earning on on the income generated from what they did, so they left the country. And that's how they taught a lesson to Britain, and that's what's going to happen to every person who's productive, who's going to find himself treated unfairly before and under the law. I have no problem with an exemption from taxes for, for the first X thousand dollars that people basically need to survive in terms of that, but certainly a flat tax rate within uh, our existing system would be much preferable to any sort of progressive or graduated tax.
2: Within that, who do you see would would pay more than they do now? Which which part of society, if any?
1: I think all parts of society would pay more, probably, because there wouldn't be any incentive to uh, cheat as much. There wouldn't be any incentive to hide your income. And there would be a lot more incentive to earn and work and want to make more income because you know you're still going to keep 90% of it. I have no incentive if I know, uh, like I know people who don't work, because if, if they do go to work, they're making so much money already that the taxes aren't
2: worth the extra work that they yeah. would put into it. Well, that's can a can that's can a crime. Can't be More than 50 percent. We have uh, the highest uh, marginal tax rate in Canada is 50 percent, so it can't be more than that. They're getting to keep at well, least half of what they have. Well, yeah, but worth, there's all, all kinds of hidden taxes out there. Don't get me wrong. They're paying GST. They're and why paying...
0: would you want to work for half of what you're earning anyway? I mean, if you're already making a lot of money, and I know people like Bob, this kind of people Bob are talking about, that uh, that have the opportunity perhaps to contribute more to society, to economically and otherwise. They look at it and say, at this rate, I'm already at the mar- the, the maximum marginal tax rate. I only get to keep 50 cents of every dollar right. I earn. Who needs it? I'm not going to bother. Well, how does that benefit
2: the economy? I guess there are two issues. One, just before I leave the question of the flat tax, I think I heard you say everybody would pay more tax under a flat tax system than they do now. I don't see how... Well, would I think be the government would get more
1: revenue from, from a flat tax system.
2: Because there'd be uh, less ducking?
1: There'd be less ducking. There'd be less... Uh, I mean, just flat tax, even the bureaucracy would be cut down to practically nil. Uh, you just report your income times 10 percent after your basic deductions. You can still have all those 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 exemptions and mm-hmm. deductions for certain things, and period. That's it. You all don't right. have to. You don't need
0: tax lawyers. You don't need all the rest. Okay, let's go back to the phones. Andre has been waiting. Good morning, Andre. Good
6: morning. Yes, sir. Um, I was reading a book, and I don't know if you've read it, Jim, or perhaps Bob has. Uh, it's called uh, Free to Try. And, no,
0: I haven't heard of it. No.
6: Um, Who's uh, it by? By Uh, sort of an educational publication by the Foundation for Economic Education, Mm -hmm. based in New York, Right. and there's sort of an interesting uh, anecdote, I guess you might say, in it like, uh, it sort of asks the reader to imagine that they were sort of, I I think it was sometime around the turn of the last century and to sort of try to imagine or look into the future and like where there'd be like uh, poor roads around that time, but Try to imagine the possibilities in the future, like, for example, horseless carriages or uh, airline flight or, you know, let's say
0: traveling. Okay, so so we've imagined that now what?
6: Traveling to the moon or whatever, and then just try to imagine, like, which would be most likely to happen, like whether the roads would be, whether you'd be more likely to have, you know, uh, super improved roads or, uh, you know, this other stuff, which is far more on the fantastic level, like for that time. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, when you come back today, like, the thing is we still have poor roads and so on, like, in very poor shape.
0: Not like, compared to where they were 100 years ago. They're not. They're excellent roads.
6: No, but the point is the physical uh, capabilities or uh, engineering powers like that we have, we should be able to do a lot more whereas all this other stuff that was far more fantastic for that time Mm -hmm. has been achieved, in fact. And the thing is, it's because of the private sector, Mm -hmm. whereas the government manages the road. I see what
0: you mean, yeah.
6: So, uh, like, I just thought it was something worth considering, at least like with the private sector. There is, at least in many cases, a more direct relationship, like where the person uh, sort of has more influence on that, whereas with governments, it's sort of... uh, Where special interests are sort of trying to lie against each other for tax dollars. Like Mm -hmm. I don't know, Jim, if you saw the Reader's Digest article just recently about the uh, roads, like the state of many of the national highways and so on.
0: Are just a, a disaster. Yeah, yeah. So But they are still, as I said, they're a lot better than the roads were 100 years ago. Have to leave it there, Andrea. Thank yeah. you for your call, sir. This is Talk of the Town in 1290 CJBK. Left, right, and center is what we call this particular hour. Our guests are Robert Metz, representing... Well, not representing, but uh, giving us some suggestions, philosophical viewpoints from the right, and Jeffrey Schlemmer doing the same thing from the left, and we'll return with both of them and with your calls right after this. 1290 C.J.B.K. with Jeff Schlemmer, Bob Metz, and I'm Jim Chapman. Uh, gentlemen, the Honour uh, General has, again, uh, been releasing some things from his latest report here. One of them, he noted, was, I believe, $1,600,000,000 spent, uh, these are tax revenues, too, uh, spent to uh, create a new future for the fishermen. The fishermen of our of Canada's east coast, into a lesser extent, the west coast, um, tax money. Jeff, they they took the tax money in, they spent it collectively, as you suggest, to try to uh, solve this problem. And according to the Auditor General, they're not one footstep closer to a solution, but they are out 1.6 billion dollars. And you say you think uh, we could we should be paying more taxes than we're paying now.
2: Well. In a way, the uh, the way they spend the money is different from the way they bring it in, that uh, they're, they're two separate issues. However, on that issue, the difficulty is that I remember my economics prof back in university talking about the reasonable economic man and how uh, they built economic assumptions based on the reasonable economic man. And what the reasonable economic man would do is if they could get a better job somewhere else, they would go and take that job. And uh, what what they find is that human nature doesn't work that way. People don't move uh, nearly as, as readily as you might expect, uh, that they get attachments to families, you know, the, to, to areas and so on in Newfoundland is a good example of that where uh, what what it appears that the solution is is to shut down the fishery industry and have everybody move away from newfoundland um, for years they've been trying to generate industry out there of one kind or another and have been largely unsuccessful uh, that's a, a social policy decision the government has made to try and say we're going to prop up newfoundland and maybe at some point they'll decide not to and uh, and it will become more like a third world kind of a, an environment i don't know um, but Uh, as far as where they spent all that money and nothing seems to have happened, I can't disagree with that. That's what the Auditor General said. Well, I th-
1: I'm, I'm interested in your, your, your uh, phrase, reasonable economic man. You say that uh, people generally are, uh, you know, lethargic or don't really get moving. And I think that's true to a degree, because as long as they're kept in some kind of comfort zone, particularly by government handouts, they're not going to move to the better position. They're not going to have to move. That's why I'm a big believer that people, you know, we shouldn't be spending so much money trying to make people com- comfortable. Discomfort is a great motivator. It's what motivates me. I know that when I get comfortable I get lazy and I'm not as productive and that when I need money that's when I get you know I get up off my rear end and I start working again and it's it's a very necessary motivator in a society and the more we try to curtail that motivation the more we're destor- destroying the productive part of our of our whole society. You know, getting back to Andre's call just before uh, the break there, he was talking about that book, Free to Try, and and I think a major point that he sort of, uh, he didn't say it himself, but that came out of what he said was, you know, when when we have these high rates of taxation, what happens is capital accumulation slows down. And capital is what a free society needs to do those great things that he was talking about. If you want to build a huge bridge, send a man to the moon, or whatever else, you need a lot of capital. You need a lot of... uh, Input in order to uh, to build upon a base, and if somebody's always taking that capital away from you, the society cannot advance, and that is precisely well, that why. In some way, but
2: it sure hasn't happened around here that our companies have been making record profits the last several years. Well, record profits
1: in comparison.
2: Again, you can't
1: compare. Comparison to me. <laughs> Listen, if if their taxes were half of what they are, couldn't you automatically say then their then their profits would be exactly that much higher, and but that money would be invested in something more productive rather than just expended. What you're saying is, is we'd
2: have a better society if General Motors ran the country instead of uh, the government. Uh, I would, Absolutely yeah, not. I no, a no, no, General
1: no. Motors you, know, you keep saying that you know, we have a choice of buying things collectively, uh, like through government, or we can do it individually through large corporations. Well, I disagree with you. Large corporations are a collective entity as well. This is where people voluntarily get together, which is a big difference from being forced together with the government. Like, you go to a big uh, supermarket chain and stuff, they're working collectively. They're giving you lower prices than the small guy can give because they're working collectively even though you enter the store as an individual. Mm-hmm. You don't go in there with your with your family in a group and you can only buy their goods if you've got X number of people behind you. But there are a lot of in my my society
2: that. that I don't think that they're interested in protecting. They're interested in making a profit and that will cause them to do things like give me low prices and hopefully good value and that's good. But there are a lot of other social values that uh, they're not necessarily interested in preserving. And when I talk about uh, Such as? the reasonable economic man, I didn't say that people were lethargic. I said they were, they were loyal to their families. Well, the question to their well, with that,
0: though, we live on a continent that was, that was developed by reasonable economic men. Yes. Because they were the people who looked around and said, Sure, I've got family
2: ties, I've got historical ties, I've got cultural ties. Screw it, I'm out of here. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, I think everybody would agree that you can't sustain a province forever you know there has to be if it's a transition that's one thing but you know we had the example in Quebec of the looms uh, supporting these things Mm -hmm. you know forever you you can't uh, I don't think anybody was willing to support a province or uh, or municipality or whatever forever they'll say we'll give you a start getting changed into something else but we better recognize down the road that as they say there may be substantial changes in our society but as I say I don't like the corporate model of how it would look compared to what we have right now let's go back to the phones and the lines are open at
0: 643-1290 we have Dan with us good morning Dan Hello, Jim. Yes, sir. Um,
7: I'm not liking your program.
0: Well, that's your privilege.
7: Yes. Uh, Hey, my family, three generations ago, came over the big water, Mm -hmm. and we are here now. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be tossed around a lot of that. I would prefer that what you're doing with Bob and Jeff talks about today.
0: I don't understand what your complaint is.
7: Well, I don't really have a complaint, but there's been comments about what has happened in the past, taxation, and yeah, 6,000 years ago, and let's talk about now.
0: Well, what do you want to talk about? Point us in the direction you want us to go. My kids. What about them?
7: Do you want to, pay do you b- want to talk about
0: teachers? Do you th- no, we're not talking about teachers. I we're know. talking about taxes.
7: Well, I don't like taxes. Well, I pay, t- I pay too much taxes.
8: Mm-hmm.
7: But I think those two gentlemen should sit down themselves and uh, if they do have family, stop looking into a history book.
1: Well, Dan, don't you and, think you can learn anything from history? Don't you think that we can learn from other people's experiences in the past? Do we have to keep repeating the same mistakes? You're saying that we should just throw away history, throw away the past, and worry about your kids.
7: <laughs> no, makes- I, no, I wouldn't say that, Jim. No, I would not say that.
0: That wasn't me. That was Bob, by the yeah. way. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay.
7: Um, no, that's not what I'm trying to say. It is Here we are. We're talking about Ontario. Uh-huh. Are we not?
0: Well, we're talking about taxes in general. Yeah. Government's taking our money. Yes. Whether it's municipal, provincial, Canada, or
7: Canada. And it has nothing to do with anybody else, any other country...
0: Oh, sure. us talk about well, us. It has a lot to do with other countries. Our tax system in this country has a lot to do with other countries because it has to do with our competi- our ability to compete with other countries.
7: I think you're going to find, Jim, that there's a lot of people out there that don't really give uh you-know-what about other countries because they are trying to run their own household.
0: Well, then they're, then they're being very very uh, short-sighted and narrow-minded and not doing their kids a favor. And you were talking about the kids a moment ago there, Dan. Yes. We don't live isolated in this country. We're not isolated from the rest of the world. And I'm sure both of my uh, co-hosts today on the left and the right would agree with that assessment. We, 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 this is not an island we live on here.
7: I understand that. And there are things that leave this country financially for different reasons. And you've done a good job on pointing that out to people. But uh, I guess I would really want all three of you to narrow it down to what is going to be the solution.
0: Well, that's what we're trying to find out, though, Dan, but I don't think any of us would claim that we necessarily have the solution today. Thank you for your call and comments, though. Appreciate it very much. I guess part of what we're trying to do here as we talk about these things is to try and come to some consensus or give you ideas of what the solutions are. But if any one of us knew absolutely what the solutions were, we probably wouldn't be here. We'd probably be out implementing them today.
2: But it is a useful framework. My kids talk to me all the time about sort of what's going to happen 10 and 20 years down the road. What's the country going to look like? The deficit is the first thing I say. You know, we're going to be paying your deficit the rest of our lives in our taxes. And uh, at the same time, my comeback is, yeah, but I'm letting you use the 401 that I paid for for free now. Uh, We've got a lot of uh, investment and infrastructure and education and all that stuff, but uh, down the road it, it'd be interesting to see where we are ten years from now. Uh, one of the big concerns I have is the rise of what I think is a huge new tax, and that is the prol- proliferation of lotteries. Mm-hmm. That is a, it seems to be the largest new source of government revenue. But that's that we've got.
0: a as ta- one friend of mine, Bill Prager, says, that's a tax on stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> I stop and think about it, though. You know, and he, I think he makes a case there. The odds against you winning are astronomical. Although nobody restricts you from doing that, but if you want to look at it as a tax, it is a tax on gullibility or stupidity, or a tax on wishful thinking.
1: Well, yes. lotteries and things like that are not taxes because they're voluntary. The, the thing that makes a tax it's a tax program, so. is the fact that there's no value for the money you get, nothing guaranteed. Um, and that even applies, even this morning, Brian Costello, for example, on, on CJBK talking about Canada Pension Plan. Canada Pension is just a tax, it's not a pension premium mm-hmm. that you pay. And they've only got a two-year lead on the program right now, and the Cretchen government is trying to make that five years. And that's how desperately close we are to bankrupting the Canada pension plan. what do you planet. mean no value? You pay taxes and you get something when back
2: you, in terms of services? No, you uh, don't. You're you saying don't get you don't have a chance guarantee to win a million no dollars, contract. but you don't have a chance
1: to win that anyway. Wrong, wrong, wrong. If I pay a, a, a $25 a month fee to an insurance company, there's a contract between us... Literally in dollars, I know exactly what I'm going to get in my pension. There's no such contract between you and your government. Oh, your well. government can take your pension money and spend
2: it on Newfoundland if it wants to. For starters, and, and it's you pay UI on... premiums and you get UI benefits back, and that can change. That's true, but, but private contracts change each all each the time too. I should, I have to tell you. Well, insurance they change. contracts change all the time.
1: Well, sure they change, but they change for different reasons. They change because of voluntary things, or someone's not able to pay. I mean, these things do happen. But nevertheless, when well, the they government's so involved, they there's money. no there is no obligation on the part of government to deliver what it's taking the money for. And it can even take more money and give you less service, which is something you would never
2: tolerate in a private market. But again, you come down to accountability and whether there's more accountability in walking with your feet from one company to another versus more accountability in voting in or out of a particular government. Uh, it seems, seems to me to come down to who you believe in. Voting is no I say no that the companies are basically all. all the same. There's not a dramatic no. difference between the value you're going to get between Ford and GM, for instance. You know when voting would
1: be an account- accountable if if when you voted you were directly responsible for paying for the things that you voted for, and only the people who voted for those things paid for them. That would be an accountable system, but it's not the way it works. What we're doing now is under a majority rule system, which is why we have endless taxes, by the way, because the majority of people, let's face it, there's more tenants than there are landlords. There's more poor people than there are rich people. So as long as you got a majority, majority rule system, they are going to try and vote the money out of the upper classes, even though it never works. It puts everybody in worse situations.
0: This is talking the Town in 12. 12- 90 cjbk when we return we'll be talking with chris and bob and jeff and maybe you too on the left bob metz on the right
8: and let's find out where chris is good morning chris good morning gentlemen um i uh i'm i'm really perturbed with the whole taxation in this country um because i find they get their money from off the backs of the average person and especially small business Mm -hmm. my husband and i ran a small manufacturing uh shop for nine years we unfortunately lost it in october of 95 due to the poor economy but one thing that totally perturbed me through the whole nine years was the taxes that we paid constantly to the government and when it was um when we when when it was time for us to close the business down it was like they to this day have not left us alone um we paid all our bills and everything but um one thing that really really um totally bothered me and i don't know if you gentlemen could help or not um during the nine years uh being married to the business I and I don't know sorry if this has anything to do I guess indirectly with taxes but I um I paid UIC payments regularly because I was classi- classified as an employee yep. mm-hmm. I at the end of the business when we were just about broke I collected UIC now I have to go to tax court to fight because they want all that money back and um I've mentioned this I mentioned this to you Jim back mm-hmm. in the spring yep. And I faxed to you a thing, but I guess it wasn't popular or important enough. I never did get a response. And I was wondering if... Um, well,
0: you faxed something to me and didn't get a response or to the government?
8: No, I faxed it straight to
0: you. Well, I'll fax it again. Make sure my name's on it in big letters. You'll get a response.
8: Oh, okay. All right. Because I, I find that um, the more people I talk to, the bigger the prob- this problem is. And it's coast to coast. And um, I don't think a lot of people um, who are not self-employed or or who have ever owned a small business are aware of this. They think that small businesses or businesses, period, excuse me, are immune from a lot of these things. Well, they're licensed to to print print money, aren't they? So hard. They're
1: licensed to print money, you small business people. You know, this this is a chronic problem uh, what businessmen face in this country today. I remember the first time I started working in business and we had to pay business taxes downtown and uh, I couldn't understand what they were for. I could understand property taxes. You're getting your roads, you're getting your sewers. You know, the, the price was exorbitant, but at least I knew there was something connected to it. Mm-hmm. I called City Hall and I asked them what what, uh, what the business tax was for. And I was literally told by City Hall, the guy that answered the phone said, well, that's, that's the fine for doing business in this city. <laughs> he called it a penalty. And, it, you know, it, bring, it brings to mind that old saying, you know, a fine is a tax for doing bad and a tax is a fine for doing good. And <laughs> yeah. it's, and, it, and what we're literally doing in this country is punishing people for being virtuous, for making money, for not being on the dole, for hard work. Or things like that, and I'll tell you the taxes that we, we charge to business people like yourself are far greater than any fine we would give to any criminal.
0: Chris, I have to leave it there. If you, uh, Please send me a copy of that fax. I don't know why I didn't get it the last time, but you put my name on it in big letters and I guarantee I'll respond. And we've got Patrick up. Hello, Patrick. Good morning, gentlemen. Yes, sir. Morning. Um, I just
7: wonder if it's a philosophy that we're discussing this morning. Is it that we are a socialist country, that is trying to move towards capitalism, and if we are a socialist country, then all the government programs and expenses are just part of uh, enjoying the benefits of those, and taxes are part of that. I don't want to pay taxes,
0: but... Well, let me ask a question of our guests here. Either of you gentlemen disagree that we are fundamentally a socialist country? Uh, Uh, Well, one time
2: maybe. Certainly not now. Okay. So I would disagree implicitly. <laughs> like I w- at corporate profits right now, they're just you know, w- record the levels.
1: I was the best man at a wedding where uh, a friend of mine got married to a young lady from, from China, Communist China, and there were a lot of Chinese people there. And we sat at dinner one time, and they were astounded that any Canadian would think that this was a capitalist country. They thought Canada was the ideal socialist country. This was about 10 years ago. And uh, because what they saw here was people getting benefits and they still saw a relatively prosperous nation because we are a mixed economy, basically. And um, if you take a look, if you want to determine how socialist or how capitalist we are, I mean, you can argue about that all, all day long. You just have to, that's a personal decision, I think but uh, when you have more than half of your income taken in taxes, I would say that we're more than half socialist and that we would become fully socialist when Jeff reaches his perfect society where we all pay 100% tax.
0: Patrick, let me ask you a question. Do you think we live in a socialist society? I believe we do. Are you uncomfortable with that as long as you get the services you want?
1: No,
7: I'm not. Okay, so... But my question is, I guess, just for my own sake and my own discussions, is on the world stage... Is Canada considered
1: a socialist country, or a capitalist co- country, or a country in transition?
0: Well, I think you'd have to ask the people who, who occupy the chairs on that stage, and I suspect you'd get different, different answers mm. from different people, different observers, depending on their particular well, point you, of view. Yeah,
1: if, if they're, if they're capitalist, they'll say that it's socialist. If they're socialist, they'll say it's capitalist. <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs> Thank you for the call today, Pat. Thanks. It's good All to right. hear from you. We're going to pause for just a second. Still time to have your say on left, right, and center right here on 1290. A um, couple minutes left here on uh, left, right, and center. I'm going to ask both of you guys, rather than a closing comment, I'm going to ask you to put your prognostication caps on, and in 30 seconds or less, tell me where you think we'll be on taxation 10 years from now. Will we pay more, Bob Metz, or less?
1: I think we'll pay more, but it won't be called taxes. It won't be seen to, as taxes. We'll we'll see all kinds of other things called taxes. There's all types of them, uh, from user fees to whatever. Although user fees aren't taxes per se, but it'll it'll come down to people more paying for their own. But I still see the basic rate of tax being high. I, it's not going to go away for a while until the spending stops. Josh Lemmer
0: do
2: you see any? Uh, does your view diverge from Bob's in a well,
0: significant way?
2: The trend the trend has been towards reducing spending. Although at some point we've got to start attacking the uh, accumulated debt. So I think that uh, income taxes will decline somewhat, at least for the next five or six years. That's the trend. Uh, There are going to be lots of other forms of taxation, though, like, let's say the user fees, lotteries, all that kind of stuff. Government spending is not declining dramatically. Uh, So uh, I think uh, 10 years from now, we'll probably be basically the same, but they'll call it something else. Is it so bad, Bob,
0: if uh, if, it, if they do turn it turn it into more user fees where we do have the option of using the service or not?
1: No, I think that's great. I think a user fee is a user fee, whereas a tax is a non-user fee, which is the silliest idea I could ever think of, to have to pay for something that you don't use. I don't think there's a long-term solution. I think uh, there's no such thing as a fair tax. Let's forget that idea right off the top of the, our heads. But, but we should be shooting for the lowest taxes possible. I think we need a Taxpayer Protection Act. We should have flat taxes, visible taxes. Uh, I'm a big supporter of separating the taxing powers from the spending powers as the Swiss do, which is a totally separate system. And, And you cannot just cut taxes though and cut spending in government without giving choice to people. And I think this is a big mistake where a lot of governments are cutting spending in certain areas but not extending the necessary choice to people to make up for the loss in the spending. Our education and health care a perfect example.
0: How long can we afford to go the way we're going? Jeff, Jeff says he'd be happy to pay more taxes as long as he kept getting the goodies that he well, wants.
1: You're gonna, well, you know, like like, uh, like Brian Casella says, our Canada pension plans got between two and five years. If we want it to last longer, we're going to have to raise the taxes exorbitantly again. and
2: uh, it's, Your car insurance is going up by the same
1: rate. Well... Mostly because of government regulation. I wouldn't oh, say no. No not like <laughs> <of> <laughs> me suing people. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you want to take the blame for that, that you know, I, I, <laughs> the,
0: the, the automobiles, a well, part of that, too, is the increased cost and complexity of the automobiles. You can't fix them as readily as oh, you sure. used to be able to. Yeah, everything goes up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a time when you pulled a fender off, put a new one on, the way it went. Or, or you know, patched it and the way it went. Today, you'd pick half the car and throw it away. Gentlemen, thank you. A pleasure, as always. Thank Jeff you. Schlemmer on the left and Robert Metz on the right, on thank left, you. right, and center on this portion of Talk of the Town. We do hope you will join us tomorrow morning for another edition of the show. For Ryan and Don and Jeff and Robert, please take care of each other. Mind how you go. And we will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.